This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. I've never really been consistent with dieting. I don't know if you've ever been in that boat. I struggle. I got to a point where I decided that the best way for me to diet would just be to to cut back on portions, just eat less. And and then I forgot that that's what I was doing. I just kept eating. A couple days later, you know. I think one of the issues I have with dieting is that rather than just eating less, a, a purposeful diet, a successful diet, requires you to cut out junk food and replace that junk with healthy food. And, and that's where real success comes. But the, the problem I have with that is junk food tastes so good. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to just leave it behind. It's difficult. I don't really want to. And so I thought, well, maybe just, maybe just cutting back. Maybe just portion control is the way to go. But that, that didn't really seem to work either. I think that's the replacing of that junk is the most effective way to, to, to really be successful. Now, we think about our spiritual growth, about what it is for us to, to, to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And I think that same mindset applies. There are a lot of times where we think, well, I can grow if I just cut back on all the junk. If I just sin less, that really will produce some great things in my relationship with the Lord, right? No, no, our, our obedience to, to God is a calling to remove all of that junk and set it aside and turn our backs on it and walk away from it in, in repentance and, and live for the Lord, replacing all of that sin, all that junk with healthier habits. And that's where we find success. That's where we find real growth. That's where God works in us, developing us into his image. It's not a cutting back of the bad things. It's a removal of those things and a replacing of those things with with healthier habits, with holy habits. And that's what we're talking about through our series is is real growth that comes through this discipline. So we've been talking about spiritual disciplines, about prayer and fasting. Today, the habit we're going to talk about is our language. Now, that's not really a spiritual discipline, but it really is significant to our spiritual growth for a number of reasons. We're going to begin with a passage in Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul really describes how it is that we, we address this issue and find a better route in our growth and our relationship with the Lord. So if you want to turn with me, Ephesians chapter 4, you read along in your Bibles as we move through. The words will be on the screen. If you would rather use the YouVersion app, you can op- open up a phone or a tablet, open up the Bible app, search under events for Parkview Finley and find scripture and sermon notes in the YouVersion app for this morning's message. So let's begin reading together. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Paul says this, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned. When you heard about Christ, were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness, and holiness. 
Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, that's a, that's a long passage. And Paul is addressing very specifically the attitude, the mindset that is associated with the, the removal of this unwholesome talk so that we can replace it with better language. Things that are wholesome, things that are enriching, things that build others up, things that are encouraging and forgiving and kind. And it's important for us to learn from these instructions because our words matter. They matter to those who hear them. And our words matter to us. Our words contribute to the shaping of our hearts. When our words are, are unwholesome, when our words are dark, when they're derogatory, when they're disgusting, when they're critical, when they're negative and harsh, those words darken our hearts. They corrupt our hearts. They, they bring us to this place of hard-heartedness where, where our hearts are encrusted in a shell, calloused. They become unresponsive to the leading of the Spirit. They become less sensitive to the needs of others. They become uncaring. Hard heart is what yielded by that kind of language. And when, when we repeatedly use that kind of language, we can feel and hear and see the difference that takes place in us. The same is also true, though. When we choose to encourage others, when we choose to speak words of encouragement, kindness that build others up, there's this softening taste that takes place within our hearts. As the Lord begins to mold and shape our hearts into his image. And those, those softened hearts are, are more receptive to his leading and guidance. They are more aware of the needs of the people around us. They're, they're willing to care for the needs of others and express kindness and encouragement. There's a significant change that happens within us when we're careful with our words. And it, they, those words don't only matter to us, they matter to the people around us. Our words are powerful. Our words have the potential to create significant damage in the lives of the people we care about most. But our words also have the potential to yield significant good in the lives of the people around us as well. We have to be careful. We have to be purposeful with the way that we use our language. So from this passage, I want to learn from the instructions of Paul. So we're, gonna, we're going to 
learned seven easy ways for us to begin to replace our unwholesome talk with words that build up. Seven easy ways for us to, to follow these instructions, to put off the old self and to be made new in the attitude of our minds, to put on the new self, made in the image of the righteousness and holiness of God. The first of these seven ways, as we learn from the, 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 the passage of Scripture, is, is simply be truthful. When we begin talking with other people, we must be truthful. We need to put off falsehood. Like an old jacket we're taking off, just drop it on the floor and walk away. Leave it behind and, and choose to say things that are true, always. Don't misrepresent the truth. Don't be deceitful. Don't, don't hide the things that you don't want other people to find out about. Don't create a facade that's much better than you actually are and try and convince people of the truth of this thing that very clearly isn't. Be open and honest. Develop transparency in your life so that people can look at you and see your heart. They can see your integrity. They can see your intentions and know who you are. Choose to exhibit this trait, truthfulness in your life through the words that you say. Second thing we can do to replace unwholesome talk with words that build up is to check our language. To think before we speak. And when, when you get really, really angry, sometimes words have a way of popping out. It's also true when you get really frustrated or really tired or you experience significant grief or you get really scared or you experience significant pain. Words have a tendency of flying out, but those words don't come from nowhere. They are a reflection of what's already in your mind and what's already in your heart. When you find yourself in a difficult situation, you're surprised by the words that come flying out of your mouth. You just take a step back and consider the extreme emotion of the situation. What, what, what is it that's present? Pray about that moment. Pray about your reaction to that moment. And, and allow God to lead you in the way that you rein in your thoughts and take control of your tongue and choose to be responsible for the things that you say. Surrender that situation to the Lord and ask him to lead you in putting behind, of cutting out that kind of language from your life and replacing it, replacing your reaction, replacing your attitude so that you can represent him better. In the book of James, we read these words, that we should all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And we recognize one of the things I've learned in my short time on this earth you can never unsay anything. <laughs> Once it comes out of your mouth, it's out there. Now, you can apologize for a word. You can apologize for a statement, but you can never take it back. And that apology may smooth things over on the surface, but the underlying damage that you cause with your words will be long-lasting. And it's important for us to check our language before we allow it to come out of our mouths. The third thing we can do to replace our unwholesome talk is to improve the content of our jokes and stories. Now we all love getting a laugh. We all, we all really enjoy being interesting and even the center of attention. But when it's inappropriate humor that puts you at the center of attention, what you're doing is providing evidence to the world around you 
that they will use to establish your reputation. And whether you have a good reputation or a bad reputation, every day you have an opportunity to change that reputation. And the words that you say, the way that you treat people, provide the pieces of evidence with which the people around you will piece together that reputation. Now, improving a bad reputation isn't complicated. It can be difficult. It takes a lot of time, a lot of discipline. But it's worth it. On the other hand, destroying a reputation instantaneous. One word or action, one careless moment is all it takes. And so it's important that we think specifically before we allow something inappropriate to be the thing that people use to formulate their opinion about us. The fourth thing we can do to replace unwholesome talk with words that build up is to reconsider sarcastic cutting remarks. Now, I have a dry sense of humor. I I really enjoy sarcasm. But that kind of humor should never come at the expense of another person. Sarcasm has a tendency to cut people down. And it's destructive in our relationships. Sometimes, quick wit, fast joke, allows your mouth to get ahead of your brain. And sometimes things come out of your mouth that really hurt the people around you. And sometimes you can, you can see that response on the face of another person. You know immediately, oh, that was the wrong thing to say. There are other times where you'll make a cutting remark and you may never know the damage you've done. That person may laugh and walk away with real pain and hurt inside because what you thought was funny was a very sensitive topic for them. And your quick wit may have come at the expense of your relationship with that person. Now, correcting this is difficult. The learning curve is steep. But it's essential to our healthy relationships with others. And it's also essential in the careful cultivation of our hearts to reflect the image of Christ that we would choose to honor the people in our lives instead of tearing them down to make ourselves look better or funny or clever. Those relationships are worth it. The fifth thing we can do is to talk to people instead of talking about them. Gossip is always destructive. It takes a small misunderstanding and turns it into a major conflict. And every time that we make a decision to turn away from a person we have a misunderstanding with and turn toward any number of other people to talk about them and that conflict, or that that misunderstanding, we create a significant conflict. Now, the habit begins sometimes with good intentions, where we have a misunderstanding, and we we turn to another person and say, I I don't understand what happened. Can you help me? Can you give me some advice? Did I I handle that well? And we we seek affirmation. We, We want to prove to other people that we did the right thing, that we handled the situation well. But as we receive validation for our feelings, as we as we discover this response from other people that makes us feel like our actions are justified, we continue in that pattern and we keep turning away from small situations and talk about them with other people until it gets out of control. And where we once had good intentions, we find ourselves immediately engaging in conversations, tearing people down, 
tearing down their image and reputation to make ourselves look better. The, the best solution to gossip is to turn back to that person that we had a misunderstanding with and speak to them face to face. It can be uncomfortable. It can be awkward. It can be difficult, but it will yield a much more favorable outcome. It will produce the pathway for you to rebuild relationships that have been broken by the cycle of gossip. Gossip is unsustainable. I don't know if you've noticed, but if you, if you are a person who talks about people consistently in your life, at some point, those people you're talking about are going to talk to each other. You cannot sustain a life of gossip. The, the best approach is to refuse to talk to people about other people's stuff and choose very purposefully to only talk to people about their own stuff. And while it's a hard learning curve to address those issues and cut them out of your life and choose a better way of communication, it will grow and deepen your relationships with others and help you be kind of friend that the Lord is calling you to be, to protect the information of others, to care for them by not using them to grow your other relationships. It's an important part of the way we interact with other people. The sixth thing that we can do to replace unwholesome talk with words that build up is to focus on the positive instead of pointing out the negative. Have you noticed how conversations are contagious? That when you come in on Sunday morning and you say, oh, it's so cold out. I hate when the weather turns so cold and the roads are gross and slushy. And your friend will say, oh, you're right. I can't seem to get warm. Everything looks so gross when the, the roads get plowed and all the dirt gets all over the snow. The tone that you use will be reflected in the tone of the people around you. The same is true of positive comments, though. When you come in and say, oh, I just love winter. I love the view of looking out and seeing everything dusted in snow, the landscape with all the white. It's just so pristine and beautiful. And people will say, oh, you're right. I love winter. I love curling up by the fireplace with a hot cup of cocoa. Your tone is infected. It's contagious. And people will respond to your outlook. When you choose to be positive, encouraging, and considerate, other people will, will continue in that vein. Maybe you've noticed this in the way that you've been affected by other people around you. You have a friend who's overly negative, and you have a conversation with them, and you walk away and you just feel disgruntled about life. Ugh. And their negativity affects the way that you view the world around you. And their gripes and their complaints become your gripes, your complaints. Like, oh, I never realized that was a problem. Now I hate it. And we realize from that situation how important it is for us to choose to influence other people, to not be affected by the attitude that the people around us have, but instead to want to be an encourager all the time, want to improve the outlook of the people in our lives. And we do so very slowly and subtly by choosing to focus on the positive instead of pointing out the negative and see how it improves the lives of our family and friends around us. And God made us 
to be able to influence each other. And we need to be specific and conscious of the way that we choose to use that responsibility. The last thing we do to replace unwholesome talk with words that build up is to be positive, build others up, be compassionate and forgive. It's a, it's a general summary of the whole passage rolled into one. And what better way to express the love of the Lord than by speaking the way that he spoke? When we put on the nature of Christ, when we live in this newness, this new life that he provides to us, we have an opportunity to lift others up. We have an opportunity to grow in our relationship with the Lord, to truly become the person that he's calling us to be and to make a difference in the lives of the people around us. Have you noticed how encouragement is so important, meaningful, not just in the, in the life of the person you're talking to, but in the lives of the people around them. When you, when you find a, a young parent with a kid and you take time to encourage them and care for them, their kids will notice a difference in their parents later that day. When you're at a restaurant eating and your server comes to your table and you, instead of pointing out all the little things you're frustrated about, you speak kindly to them and you, you, you live in grace and, and, and you, you talk to them as a, as a real person and ask about how their day is going. The other tables that they serve after they walk away from yours will see a smile on that server's face. They'll see a difference in that person because you chose to be different, because you chose to change your perspective and impact the world around you. We are called to shine the light of the Lord into the world around us, to make a difference in the lives of people through our words and interactions. And we have an incredible opportunity each and every day to help build others up through our kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Now, the writer of Hebrews helps us understand our relationships and how we can improve our relationships through this very topic of our use of language. Chapter 10, verse 23, we talked about this, about, talked about this at communion time. Uh, passage begins verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now think about the moment when you accepted Christ and professed your faith in him or baptized in his name. Think about that moment when you profess the hope you have because of the love and grace of the Lord. We are called to live in that hope, to live according to that love and grace to remain true to that confession that we once made, that our very lives would be impacted consistently and continually by our relationship with the Lord, that we would hold on to that claim and encourage one another, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. To encourage one another, recognize the difference that our encouragement can make in the life of another person. Have you ever been in a, in a tough spot? Crisis? struggling, and, and been unexpectedly encouraged by another person at just the right moment. I've had the blessing of, of receiving some messages like that. I got a text from a friend of mine. I said, hey, hope, hope you're having a good day. That's all I said. I just hope you're having a good day. Looking forward to this thing coming up next week. And the text came at a moment that I needed to hear it. 
a moment when I was really frustrated, a moment when I was down. And while that person didn't know what I was feeling, the Lord did. And I received the encouragement at such a timely occasion. It really made a difference in my life. I got a, a call from another friend of mine that I met in, in seminary, uh, an elder at a church down around Cincinnati, and <laughs> just a great guy. And we became friends. And he called me and said, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and your church. And it was a difficult day. And just hearing his voice, he left me a voicemail. I didn't, I didn't even answer the phone. I, I, I heard his voicemail, and it almost brought me to tears, just knowing that I received his encouragement at the exact moment that I needed to hear it. You think about the, the lives of the people around you. You think about your friends and your family, your coworkers, and all the things that they're dealing with, the crises that, that they're experiencing on a daily basis, the, the significant difficulty, the relational struggles that they're going through, and your encounter with them is an opportunity for you to deliver encouragement at just the right time. Now, none of those people who contacted me knew what I was going through. And, and when, I, when I responded and said, hey, the, your words were so meaningful to me. You, won't, you, you can't even imagine how much I needed to hear your encouragement today. They'll never know. I, I, there's no way for me to express to them how meaningful those words were. You may never know the impact your words have in the lives of the people around you, but they matter. Those, those words of encouragement matter so much. They may very well just make the difference between your friends' faithful obedience to the Lord and them giving up on their faith. Your encouragement might make an eternal difference in the life of someone you care about. So take those moments and consider how you can encourage others. Take those opportunities as they come. Those thoughts that you have as the Spirit prods you and you, you just think about a person that you've known in the past. For some odd reason, their, their name or their face comes up in your mind. Send them a quick note. Let them know you're praying for them. Let them know that you care about them. Even if you've never, you haven't even talked to them in years. There's a reason the Lord puts people on our minds. And it may very well be that that person needs to hear encouragement. And does it matter that it's coming from you? No, it matters that the Lord is bringing them encouragement. Be present in those moments and respond to the leading of the Spirit. How do we, how do we grow in our ability to encourage others? First thing we do is to, to appreciate the little things. And, that we experience in life as we encounter other people to acknowledge the small things and make them known. Hey, I saw that you do this. Thank you for that. I appreciate you. I, I've noticed that you have this way of, of you always say this thing. and I, It just means so much to me. Thank you for saying it. I noticed that you do this thing. Nobody else seems to even realize you're doing it. I want to make sure that somebody says thank you to you today. So thank you for doing that. Those, those words of appreciation matter. But here's the other thing I've learned about encouragement. Don't reach for a compliment. If you're making things up to thank other people or to compliment them, it's insulting. Be sincere when you choose to encourage other people. Use meaningful words that will make a difference. Allow others to live in the love of the Lord. Build them up for service. And know that you're making a difference. And, and you'll realize that in the same way that you hear words from other people, words of encouragement, words of gratitude, words of thanks. And it's important when people thank you, when people express their gratitude to you, that you receive that encouragement well. Don't blow it off. Don't, don't deflect it. Don't say, well, you know, I'll 
It's God who deserves the thanks. No, they're thanking you for a reason. And when you accept that, it grows your relationship with them. So receive it well. Now, notice a lot of these words are encouraging us in the way that we talk to believers and family and friends. Paul also was specific with the, the church about the way we speak to those who are outside of the faith. And in Colossians, he reminds us of the significance of those conversations as well. In chapter 4, beginning in verse 5, he says this, Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And it's important for us to learn from these words, to be gracious in the way we interact with other people, to be forgiving, to overlook little little things, and, and to focus on the people so that we can grow in relationship with them, to create conversation that's seasoned with salt, that's interesting, that, to, to be a person that, that people want to talk to because we have interesting things to say. We're, we need to add spice to our conversations, and we need to make our conversations pure and wholesome to be a, a, a representation of, of the Lord and other believers in our church. We need, to, we need to season our conversations with salt so that they're flavorful and tasteful, but we need to, to be careful in the way that we do so and not overdo it. I was making dinner one night a couple years ago. It was some kind of liquid dinner. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was soup or stew, something, something liquidy. And I took a taste of it as I was cooking. It was just bland. Ugh. So I added some salt. But I didn't stir it up very well. I took another taste, still bland, so I added more salt. And I stirred it up and let it cook. I didn't taste it again, and I just put it in bowls, put it on the table. And the problem was that when I tasted it, I tasted a spot where there wasn't any salt. <laughs> it already had plenty of salt in it. So by the time it got on the table, it was very salty. My wife took a, took a bite and went, oh, oh, I don't think I can eat this. This is, this is very salty. I took a bite. I was like, oh, you're right. No. And we threw it. That's why I don't remember what food it was. We didn't even eat it. It was so salty, we couldn't stand. We couldn't palate it. it. It was disgusting. Now, when we have conversations with people, and we season those conversations with salt, it's easy to overdo it. And as believers, we feel this calling of the Lord to make a difference in the lives of people. And sometimes we go barging into our conversations and relationships with, with those outside of the church, and we overdo it. We, 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 we just come stomping in. It's, you know, oh, here's the truth about Jesus, and you need to make a decision right now. And we're so excited about the moment that we forget about the people. And we need to season those conversations so that they're flavorful and tasteful, so that we create opportunities for people to ask questions about the Lord, about their own faith, about the difference they see in us. When we live with this wholesome kind of talk filling our lives, with this kindness and compassion and encouragement, people will wonder what it is about you that makes you that way. Because most of the rest of the world isn't. And so when you use this kind of language, there will be opportunities that people say, what is different about you? Why is it that you're so positive all the time? Why is it that you're willing to encourage others? And it will be the perfect opportunity for you to say to them, it's because of the love of the Lord in my life. It's because I live in grace. 
It's because the Lord has, has changed me so significantly from who I was into what he needs me to be. And I know that he can do the same for you. There are meaningful ways to point people to the Lord. And in order to get to that place where they're going to ask questions, we need to be careful in the way that we season those interactions. And be prepared to answer those big questions. Be ready for the moment that God opens up for us to point people to him. That's the challenge that we face. To use our words to point people to the Lord. To, 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 to recognize the moments that God presents us with. To reflect his love and grace in the world around us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunities you place in front of us every day. God, I pray that you would help us to recognize them as they come. I pray that you would help us to, to act on the prodding of your spirit and care for the people around us with, with sincere, purposeful language that we would honor you with the things that we say and point people back to you. God, we thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.